The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi guys, it's Gabby. Welcome back to What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. I'm the founder of What's Gabby Cooking. I'm a best-selling author. I'm a podcast host and I have a line of products sold at Williams-Sonoma. I basically live, eat, and breathe food all the time and I'm here to answer all your questions. What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine, like I just said, is your one-stop shop for all your food-related questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and more. Every pod, I'm going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, because while we're all in quarantine, we need to know where to order food from and support small businesses. We'll also bring on some very special guests in the near future. So without further ado, this is What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. Hey guys, how is everybody doing today? I don't even know what day of the week it is. I just know that there are like 12 pairs of sweatpants in my laundry basket right now. And it's been a minute since I've done laundry. Anyways, um, I hope everyone is hanging in there. We are coming to you live. My husband is here with me today. Maybe he'll join and say hello. Thomas, are you going to say hi to everyone today? Hello. He's going to chime in with any hot tips about cooking if they come up. We are thriving amidst Corona. Like we haven't left the house in a couple of days. And I've been listening to all your guys' voicemails come in for our hotline. And I feel like I'm living my best high school life because remember those old commercials that used to be on the TV when it was like 1-800-99-Jenny and stuff like that. And now we have our own and I feel like I've peaked. <laughs> like really living our best lives over here. Anyways, your questions are incredible. I've been getting so many on the hotline, on Instagram, on Twitter, on the blog, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing my best to save all of them. So we're going to answer a couple of them today and keep on trekking. Like we're going to make everyone professional chefs by the end of this quarantine. So without further ado, let's talk to our first person. Hi, Dobby. I am Christina from Washington, D.C., and I'm curious on your thoughts about people who do not share recipes. Um, is that something uh, we should be offended when we hear, or do you think that it's appropriate? Love to know your thoughts. Thank you. Hi, Christina from D.C. Um, a, let me just say that D.C. was one of my most favorite book stops on my book tour two years ago, and I can't wait to come back. Your guys' food scene is incredible. As far as people not sharing recipes, I think that's weird. I think we live in a world where everyone shares everything for the most part. And the reason I share my recipes is because I want to make your guys's lives even better. Like I know when I see people cooking what's got to be cooking recipes and they post it on Instagram or Twitter, or whatever it is, there's a little slice of me in their kitchens and that gives me so much joy. So I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want to share their recipe. Like I get it if you have a super secret recipe, like maybe if you're a restaurant owner and you don't want to put that recipe out in the world because it's super secret to you and your kitchen staff and you just want to like keep it sacred. That's cool. But otherwise, like if you're talking about an influencer or someone who's putting content out online, I think that's weird. Thomas. 
Thomas has thoughts. I feel like the only time you don't share a recipe, though, is from your cookbook because you want people to purchase the cookbook. Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, yeah, that's fair. Like if you, yes, yes. I mean, you make a good point. This is why we're married. (laughs) Anyways, I hope that answers the question. I mean, here's the thing. When When you're supporting a small business owners and independent content creators such as myself, like it's really awesome when people buy your products and your cookbooks and support you that way. But I think if you're producing so much content like we do, some of it's given away. Like that's how What's Gotta Be Cooking started. It was based on giving away free content. So I think the more the merrier, everyone's got to spread as much love as they can. And if people are not forthcoming with information that you're looking for from them, you don't need that kind of negativity in your life. All right, let's see what's next. Hey, Gabby, it's Ari from Winnipeg, Canada. I have a question. You once said in one of your lives that garlic like chopped garlic in a bottle is like disgusting and you never gave the reason. Can you tell us? Thanks. Bye. Hi, Ari. Um, great question. We talk about this all the time on Insta Live. So there are a couple things I want to talk about as far as pre-chopped and pre-peeled garlic. One, when you peel garlic, like let's just say you're peeling garlic yourself and then you let it sit out for a day or two, it's losing the potency and flavor. So like when you buy pre-chopped or pre-chopped or pre-peeled garlic in the grocery store, I mean, it's been sitting there for more than a day or two. So like it's not going to be anywhere nearly as flavorful as if you were just peeling it from home. You'll see a lot of times on Insta Live and stuff like that. I use a garlic press and I love that because it's super heavy duty and it just like takes care of things very quickly. So I don't have to spend time chopping if I'm in a rush. And also like if you have kids, like get them involved, like give them a rolling pin to smash the garlic take it out of the paper peel, and then you can chop it up. I just feel like things are going to be the most fresh that way. The other thing that I always kind of mention on Insta Live, and maybe I skirt around talking about it. Once upon a time, we were watching a documentary and they were talking about how people who are in prison or in third world countries, their job sometimes is to peel that garlic that's sold in grocery stores and they have to dip their fingers in some sort of weird liquid substance like so they can peel it without damaging the actual bulb of garlic. And the substance, when you dip your fingers in it over and over and over and over again, like eats away your skin, basically. (laughs) So not to be super graphic, but that's why I don't buy the peeled garlic. Thomas is making a really gross face and looking at me, but it's true. Like, I just think in order to have the most flavorful food, you just got to do it yourself. And it takes, you know, like, here's the thing. Once you practice chopping garlic, the better you get, the faster you get at it. And it's going to make your food taste even better. It's worth it. Thomas would like to add something. So one question that comes up on live all the time in relationship to garlic that I think can be beneficial to everyone listening to this is how do you get the scent of garlic out of your fingertips when you are working with garlic and when you're done? Because obviously you don't want to have garlic smelling hands for the rest of the day. So what are your tips and tricks? Well, as you know, because you're married to me, I radiate garlic at all times. Like I'll like eat a 
cup of hummus and then like go stand next to Thomas and work on something. And he's like, oh my God, what did you do? (laughs) So maybe I'm not the best person to ask. However, I will say when you're cooking with like a lot of garlic, making 40 garlic clove chicken or some sort of crazy pasta with a lot of garlic bulbs or garlic cloves in the sauce, A, wash your hands, soap and water. And then sometimes I put a little lemon on my hand and use the acid to kind of like break down the scent of the garlic. And then I wash my hands. Does that help you? Does that answer your question, babe? It does. All right. What what else is happening in the world? Hi, Gabby. My name is Mariko, and I'm calling from San Rafael um, in Marin County up in Northern California. And I made your chocolate chip cookies, like your best ever, 72-hour ones. And I felt like I was fairly precise with all the ingredients, but I did not weigh them. And I waited the whole time. And they're just very flat and kind of oily or greasy. So I wonder if I use too much butter. And they're, you know, crispy. They're not like chewy and thicker. They just kind of like melted into a flat cookie, which it did not look like the pictures. So I wanted to see what you think I might have done wrong. And perhaps it's just a measuring thing and I should just get a scale. Or maybe I used too much butter. I used like two and a quarter sticks, which is what I did with my bad math conversion. Thanks again. I'll try it. I'll try the recipe again because I'm determined to make them look as good as yours. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi, Mariko. Um, Okay. So like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there are so few recipes on what's gotta be cooking that actually call for a scale because most of them can be done just by like regular measuring cups. But those 72 hour chocolate chip cookies are one ones that really do have to be measured. Um, you didn't mess up the butter. That was that's the correct amount of butter that's called for. But I'm gonna guess that you didn't have enough flour. There are two different kinds of flour that are called for in that recipe. Not every flour is created equal. And so some flours are more dense and they weigh more. Some are lighter and weigh less. And so if you just try and Google a conversion for like what one cup of bread flour is equal to in a measuring cup, it's not gonna give you the exact amount, you just have to weigh it. So scales, like we have a couple different scales in our house. One is for Thomas's coffee addiction that he uses to measure out like beans and everything every morning. We also have one that's a little bit more heavy duty. Both of them are actually linked on the master list on what's got to be cooking. And they're like not expensive. I think they're like 15, 20, $30, something like that. And it really helps when you're doing like a precise baking recipe to to weigh ingredients out. My dad, who's like a semi-professional bread baker when he's not being a doctor, will tell you the same thing because some things just have to be weighed. That said, I hate weighing things. And this is one of the reasons why I dropped out of pastry school right before I graduated because I was like, if I have to weigh one more thing, it's over. But for those 72-hour cookies, I will whip out the scale and I will make it happen because they are absolutely worth it. So... I would say invest in a not expensive scale and give it another go. And I promise you, they will look just like the picture on my website. All right. Who's next? Oh, my God. This is so cool. Gobby, my name's Stacy. I'm in Portland, Oregon. And um, thank you, first of all, for always being available. I love our banter back and forth on Instagram. My question is this. There are so many salts out there now. Black salt, Himalayan salt. I mean, just like a ton when I go into, especially Jacobson Salt Company out of Portland, they have flavored salts, garlic salt, basil salt, rosemary salt, whiskey salt, cherry salt. 
And I would love, love, love to know what's to cook with, what's to finish with, how do I use them? I've got a lot of salts in my cupboard, and um, I would just like to get your opinion on where to use them, how to use them, or any insight you can give me on that. So I look forward to your podcast and um, your book release. Um, I know is going to get canceled in May in Portland, but don't worry. Our Portland contingency or contingent will definitely be in line for when you reschedule. All right. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Love watching you. Bye. Hi, Stacey. Um, number one, I'm so pumped to come back to Portland as soon as we schedule reschedule book tour. It is one of my favorite cities in the entire country. And if you guys are listening, when quarantine is over, if you're looking for a fun weekend getaway, Portland is super rad. The food's incredible. The people are so nice. I would recommend going in the spring or the summer when it's not pouring rain and it's just a magical place. Anyways, let's get into salt. And I actually, I have lots of th- thoughts on salt, but I also think in one of the coming podcasts, we should maybe just have Ben Jacobson or another person who's like very educated in the salt world come on and talk to us about this. But here are some general guidelines to get us through the next couple of weeks until we work that out. I mean, I don't even know Ben Jacobson, but I know friends that know him. So maybe I'll call them. Me, if you watch stuff on my channel, you know that I use kosher salt and Maldon sea salt. And I use Maldon sea salt a lot because I buy like a five or 10 pound tub of it online. And I just like have it on hand all the time. It's usually like typically supposed to be a finishing salt because it's this like big flaky, like a pyramid shaped flake that are kind of like briny and have like a really nice crisp texture. You're supposed to use that to finish dishes. So like after you grill a steak or some chicken or put it on top of pasta or on top of vegetables after you've roasted them, that's like what it's intended for. I tend to use it for everything because it's also just a really delicious salt. And I found a tub that's not super expensive. So I don't feel like it's breaking the bank. Typically, most people would say like a pure kosher sea salt is going to be your workhorse. Like that's what you should use to make a salad dressing, to season your roasted vegetables, to make any sort of rubs that you're putting on your meat or your chicken or your fish or something like that. It's inexpensive. Um, You can get it at any regular grocery store and it's just supposed to, I mean, it, it is, it's, good for everything, but it doesn't have that like same texture as like the flaky sea salt for finishing. So if you want to like be a little extra, regular kosher salt isn't going to give it to you. In terms of all the other salt, there's like black garlic salt, there's black pepper salt, there's cherry wood, there's garlic, there's rosemary salt, there's thyme salt, there's basil salt, chili lime salt, you name it. Actually, Matt and Adam made a ghost pepper salt recently. Matt and Adam are two of my very best friends and they I think they dried a chili pepper. So basically what all those flavored salts are, celery salt, lemon salt, you get the idea. Whatever the key ingredient is, whether it's so like, for example, lemon salt, it's lemon zest that's been dehydrated and then added into the salt and mixed together to infuse the salt with an extra flavor. So a lemon or a lime salt might be incredible, like a lime salt rimming the margarita glass or a lemon salt to finish off a roasted chicken or something like that. They're all just going to give you a little bit of extra flavor. Smoked salt is really good on meats also. Thomas is looking at me like he has real thoughts on this situation. So hold please. I think with the flavored salts, it's just like, experiment with it and have fun with them. You remember the salt that we had in Morocco when we were dipping the lamb into it? It was like a rosemary salt. With like a it was a cumin. Sugar. It was a cumin salt. Right. It was a cumin like salt with a little bit of brown sugar. And we were literally dipping lamb right off the grill into this salt. And it was just a ton of fun. So I think 
with the flavored salts, get creative and experiment. And that can be like the little unique flavor or element that you add to your dish that makes it unique. I just need to take you back to Morocco right now because as none of us are allowed to travel, I need to paint you this picture. They roast it and any vegetarians or vegans out there, I apologize in advance, like maybe fast forward 30 seconds. But they roasted a lamb for us in this cutout hole in the bottom of the restaurant. And by restaurant, I mean, it was basically a closet in the market. And they had a hole, which is their oven in the ground. And they roasted an entire lamb for the crew that rolled in there. And then they broke it down for us after it was cooked and served it on top of newspaper at our table. And then they gave us a couple different salts. And one of them was a cumin infused salt. So literally just dried like ground cumin mixed with salt. It was probably just like a kosher salt, nothing fancy. And the idea was to rip off a piece of the meat, dip it in the cumin salt, and then wrap it in like a lavash or like some sort of bread or something like that and eat it. And it was truly, we ate all these different places in Morocco. We had all sorts of different food. We ate with tons of locals. That was like the most memorable bite we both put in our mouths because it was so flavorful from that infused salt. And it was just such a cool experience to be eating in the closet, aka restaurant on the dirt floor and our food was cooked in the ground. So as far as salts go, sky's the limit. You can get super creative. If you've got a ton of pantry space, like I think it's cool to stock some up. Otherwise, just like pick a a kosher salt or a maldon salt or something like that and keep it on hand. And then like maybe experiment with a different flavored salt every once in a while. You can also make your own salts, you guys. Like you can dry your own lemon or lime zest or use some different chili powders or something like that. All right, guys, speaking of salt, I didn't even plan that transition. So I'm feeling very proud of myself. Um, We are going to highlight another company that is doing really cool things in the time of quarantine. If you have never heard of Five Mary's Farms before, it's an incredible small family-owned company that delivers epic quality meat right to your door. Like I said, last time there was a period of time where Thomas and I were like basically accidentally vegetarian because we didn't have any meat on hand. Well, at Five Marys, you can shop beef, you can shop pork, you can shop lamb, and you can get certain cuts delivered right to your door. Humanless interaction. Like you pay online. You don't have to give anyone any cash. You don't have to leave your house and go to the grocery store. It's an incredible company. The owner of it is lovely. I've spoken with her before. Just like a great option if you guys are meat eaters or occasional meat eaters to get really great quality meat delivered right to your door. So check them out. Shop Five Marys dot com. They're amazing. Okay, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future. If you have any questions that you want answered, call us. It is 888-338-4429 and leave us a voicemail. Maybe Thomas will make his guest appearance a more regular thing. Make sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and follow along on What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for recipes or any you need, check out whatsgobbycooking.com. I will talk to you guys in a couple days. 